fine. He's not going to be in the AL East. I don't care. Let's just move on with the offseason. <laughs> Against our better judgment and the advice of counsel, we've brought in Dan Zaborski. Good stuff, guys. You're doing great. (laughs) In three, two, one. And welcome to Artificial Turf Wars, episode number 82, where we are all at risk of being non-tendered. I am joined by my uh, on-the-bubble colleagues tonight, Mr. Josh Housem. Josh? Hey, I have a guaranteed contract. And Mr. <laughs> Mr. Nick Dyka. How's it going, Nick? Hey, Greg, I got the uh, dreaded minor league invite to spring training. I know. <laughs> That's how it goes, man. It's One day you're in the in the roster, no sweat, and then boom, minor league invite to spring training. Oh, my Happens. goodness. We have uh, actually a fair amount to talk about, although I don't know that there's a, about a large amount of depth on any of it. We have uh, the Jays traded for Aldemus Diaz. Uh, we have some news about Shohei Otani. Um, there was some Mike Stanton, sorry, Giancarlo Stanton. I keep going back to that trade, possibly in the works, maybe. Uh, a few other free agents uh, have have signed, but no big names. Blue Jays have said goodbye to a couple of non-tender candidates, which, of course, in Blue Jay land, led to some controversy. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Uh, there was another controversy with a certain person who shares my first name, but for one G, and um, the Blue Jays are going to be looking for a new head trainer. So we begin with the good news, I guess. Uh, the Blue Jays traded a minor leaguer, whose name eludes me at the moment, for... J.B. Woodman. Thank you. Uh, Cardinals, shortstop, one-time phenomena, Aldemus Diaz. What was your initial... Aledmus. Uh, Aledmus? Yes. Uh, what was your initial reaction, Josh? I think I said on Twitter, I love this trade for the Blue Jays. <laughs> I believe I used six O's. <laughs> the six O love. Mm. <laughs> so here's the thing with Diaz. He burst on the scene as a rookie in 2016, and he made the all-star team. He hit 300 with five tenths slugging, 369 on base. Great year. And then last year, he wasn't very good. And you know, the 2016 year was a bit, a bit of a surprise given his minor league track record. He was never supposed to be that good, but he should be better than he was last year. And if he's halfway between those two things, which is probably the reasonable projection for him, that's a fantastic upgrade at the backup at the Linfielder position. Uh, now, Nick, how much of Diaz do you think we'll be seeing just in, in your, your personal hope? What not hope, your personal realistic expectation, given the other two <laughs> guys he's going to be backing up? Yeah, well, I mean, I think Ross Atkins said himself in the last month, uh, getting somebody who can spell... Tulo and and Devin Travis is a priority just because at this point in time, both of them do have such significant injury histories. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, the odds of Diaz seeing significant time, I think, are pretty high. Um, But I don't necessarily think it's it's the worst thing in the world. Um, I 
I don't think anybody expects him to be as good as he was in, in 2016, but I don't think really anyone thinks he'll be as bad as he was in 2017 either. And, you know, he's not that old. He's only 27. He's controllable through 2020. Um, so I think those are all good things for, uh, for the Jays right now. Through 2022. 2022. Oh boy. Yeah. yeah. Oh. And, and we should mention too the acquisition cost, right? JB Woodman, he was the second rounder in 2006. 16 two years ago and he's tooled up you know he's a guy he can run he can hit for power he hits the ball really hard but he also struck out 157 times in 96 games last year in lansing so there's potential for him to be something but there's a lot of risk and given you know he's probably what sixth or seventh on the outfield minor league depth chart it's an easy piece to trade for someone who will help your major league roster now Right. So there you have it. The, the Blue Jays did a real thing that will help the Major League roster and didn't give up too much from their perspective. So I think uh, I think that's a win early on for their first real uh, move of the, the hot stove season. Uh, we got some, some not-so-good news, as did, oh, how many, a couple dozen other teams about uh, Japanese two-way player phenomena Shohei Otani in that the Blue Jays did not make even his long short list. Uh Josh, I saw you on Twitter. You were just, were you just relieved that it was over? <laughs> uh, sort of. I mean, uh, basically, I just wanted confirmation one way or the other because, I mean, ever since the offseason started with, you know, the, the Atkins talking about how they think they're going to be really prepared. It's like, oh, do we have a chance? We don't know what he wants. And it's like, okay, he wants to be away from here. He wants to be in the West Coast. Fine. He's not going to be in the AL East. I don't care. <laughs> Let's just move on with the offseason. <laughs> Uh, did you have your hopes high, Nick? Um, a little bit, and it, it is funny because we we don't know what he wants, and everybody's best guess at what he does or did want didn't really point to Toronto either. But um, just you know, when he was hanging out there in the ether, there was just like you know that little optimistic, hopeful part of my brain that was like, oh, maybe. We, we really don't know. Maybe he is interested in, in coming to Toronto. But um, so I was a little disappointed, but I'm I'm mostly excited to, as Josh said, just like, let's get on with it. Let's 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 see something happening, because, I mean, it's bad enough. There's no like games going on. And now there's literally no transactions going on either, because everybody's waiting for Otani to sign and Stanton to get dealt. Which is the next thing we were we were going to talk about is uh, Giancarlo Stanton is basically been told by the Marlins that they can't afford to keep him around while they do whatever it is that they're going to do. Even though Stanton has, I think, possibly only no trade ever handed out by Jeffrey Loria ever, he's going, I guess, to waive that in in under the right circumstances. Now, my first question is a bit of a silly one, but why the heck would you not just go to Colorado if you were Stanton? <laughs> Well, what does he care? He's got a seven-year contract. He doesn't need to put up numbers to get paid. No, but you got to put up numbers to be the, one of the greatest hitters of all time, and it's pretty easy to do when you have that swinging <laughs> playing Colorado for 81 games. Yeah, but I think most guys would prefer to go somewhere they can win rather than just go put up numbers. Again, though, Colorado is uh, in better shape Fringy than they have candidate? Been. They're fringy. They barely made the wild card. Whether you Or you could go to the Giants or Cubs who have the money and always – are consistent contenders even though they sucked last year you know that over the seven or eight years of the contract they're going to be consistently putting out winners 
uh what was not were not the giants in dan simborski's like second or third level of payroll hell when uh <laughs> yeah, they are, but they just still throw money at anyways. If they're going after Giancarlo Stanton, they don't care about their payroll right now. All right. Well, I would still love to see him in purple, but that's just me. Where do you think he'll end up, Nick? Do you have a guess? Yeah, my my guess is San Francisco. He's from California, I believe, and uh, you know, between that, the as you guys mentioned, the Giants' willingness to basically double down every offseason and just sign somebody else. Um, they can take on the money. Um, and it seems like they have some pieces that might be interesting to to Miami to get back. You know, someone like Joe Panic, uh, you know, he can he can fill a roster spot uh pretty decently without costing a lot of money in uh in this transition. Uh, Miami seems to be wanting to go through. So it's actually an entirely prospect-based offer, according to the latest oh, rumor. Really? Oh, okay. Sorry. So I'm I'm a couple rumors behind, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think I think San Francisco does make the most sense for for Giancarlo. But until it, both of these guys do something, we, we're probably sitting in in limbo. For I, I think it's future. more. Otani than Stanton. I think Stanton's holding up the market in general for some of the bigger names, but the Jays are not, despite the rumor we joked about last time, they're not going to go after JD Martinez, we don't think. You know, they're not going to be going after these big name power sluggers who are going to wait for Stanton for the market to fall. So I think that side of it is probably moving more than we think. But Otani is the one that holds it up because he, he's going to cost nothing for whoever gets him. So they know they can spend more in different areas. Indeed. Well, that's terrifying. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> well, that's why I hope he goes to San Diego or something. Like, San Diego's not spending money anyway, so who cares? Just keep him out of Seattle. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny to see all the teams, uh, fans from from the other, from the West Coast, more or less, just get all stoked about what what might be with Otani. Still, it's like, okay, well, money's right. I just no idea who that is just yet. Uh, I'd we, I'd love to see him go to the angels just to see see him with mike trout and and give that team like something something of a fighting chance well well they have trout in his prime because as much as i am a jays fan it really does pain me as a baseball fan to see basically the best years of one of like the best players in the last 50 have his like prime just kind of wasted away in uh in anaheim so i'm kind of tender screw that jays always (laughs) Trump's got lots of time to win. <laughs> also, also, I'm guessing you want him to go to the Padres too, Josh? <laughs> I don't care what happens to Mike Trout. He's losing in Anaheim. Yeah, but he could still he sure make is. your life painful if he's in the American League. Oh, uh, the Blue Jays also, I should mention, signed uh, Santos. No, uh, Luis Santos specifically. Uh do you have any specific recollections of Santos from his last tour, Josh? No. So <laughs> my only my only recollection is that he pitched in a ridiculously long extra inning game. And it may have been that 18-inning game versus the Tigers, but I could be wrong. And he He's held, minor league depth. Yeah, and he held the, the opposition down, and that earned him a, an audition in the starting rotation. And it turns out he is not a major league quality starting pitcher. And... The sad part is that was so long ago, I cannot remember what year it was. What? 
<laughs> I I can't recall how long it's been since he was on our roster. Is that? It was this past year. <laughs> so then I have the wrong Santos. That's how bad it is. Yeah, he came up in 2017 in September. <laughs> I'm so sad. Um, so I thought I remembered him, and I don't. This is how I feel about uh, minor league depth. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I think we've exhausted this one. Okay. Uh, non-tenders. The Blue Jays did not offer a contract to Tom Kohler or, in shock of shocks, Ryan Goins. Uh, I can hear you crying, both of you. Those tears are just <laughs> dropping onto the desk. His nine lives are finally up. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, lost the middle infielder voodoo magic when they got another tiny guy and he laid him as Diaz <laughs> actually oh, Diaz is over six feet so that doesn't even work <laughs> so we don't have Ryan Goins to kick around anymore but that doesn't mean that we didn't end up with a, a controversy at least somewhat because his best buddy Marcus Stroman apparently did not receive adequate notice that Mr. Goins would be released. Yeah, he sent out a, an ambiguous tweet, which essentially said, it's like, oh, it's like, Mom, my best buddy gone. And then, it's, and this is me paraphrasing, and then it sucks to find out through Twitter, hashtag communication. So that could be a shot at the team, or it could be a shot at Goins himself. Or he could be speaking on Goins' behalf, saying that Goins found out through Twitter. Nobody really knows exactly what he said. But it did come across as though he was upset about finding out through Twitter as opposed to being notified. Uh, I know Josh's opinion on this, but Nick, but, but what do you think about, about the courtesy uh, given to teammates as far as roster decisions? Yeah, well, without knowing for certain, because I've never played in the major leagues, it would strike me as odd that uh, players would expect it to be informed uh, of of roster moves b before they happen. Um, so it, it seems odd that Stroman would expect to be notified uh, about Goins being released. That said, we again, there's a bunch of different ways we can read the tweet, and it's hard to know exactly um, exactly what was intended or what what he did mean by it. But um, yeah, it all seems to be honestly much ado about nothing uh, in in my perspective. Um, I'm I know Strowman seems to be maybe a little bit hypersensitive to criticism. Um, <laughs> Yeah. When, uh, when did that ever come up before? Yeah. And then at the same time, it doesn't seem like, you know, his tweet was much of a, a story to begin with. So, I mean, I think all in all, it's just a, uh, it's, it's just part of the slow news cycle that comes with literally no action whatsoever when it comes to the, the hot stove and, and roster moves and stuff like that. Fair. The, I, I, anything to add, Josh? I mean, not really. It's just, just all kind of stupid off-season garbage. Nothing else is happening, so it's like, uh, just this becomes stories, and I'd rather not have to deal with it. I, my view on this, like it, the the Twitter, the gigantic chip on his shoulder, it's a little annoying. But as long as he pitches well, I don't care. It, yeah, what he what he does when he steps between the lines is is far more important in this case. I I tend to agree. Also, he's an employee. 
he kind of has to remember that because they're all just employees. Sorry, we have a policy for terminating employees, and obviously that's that's how the Blue Jays do it, as do most teams, I would assume. Uh, speaking of getting rid of employees, Sportsnet, the Jays broadcaster, got rid of Greg Zahn for what apparently are very, very good reasons. Uh, that is that he was not conducting himself in an appropriate way around his female colleagues, and by extension, his male colleagues, who were also probably uncomfortable with the manalist and how he behaved most of the time. Uh, Rogers didn't seem to waste any time in terms of when they said they found out about people not comfortable with his behavior and when they let him go. Yeah, it was the same day almost. I mean, it seems like they confirmed some of the stories and it's like, okay, that's enough, you're done. And, you know, uh, we should state that you know, this was because of all the other stuff going on in the news. It wasn't contact necessarily it was just attitude which is still bad and harassment right mm-hmm. but but then he came out he gave sort of half-baked apology that it's like i didn't know if people had told me but they told me before and i didn't change it didn't none of it made sense well i have a paraphrase of that apology because i thought it was way better than the actual apology uh from twitter someone the jumpsuit and the ivy at jody's jumpsuit um said a shorter greg zahn quote i made an unrepentant unrepentant toxic masculinity my brand which by 2017 was like eating a shrimp ring left on a radiator for a weekend and now i'm as confused and as lost as my suit choices <laughs> all right yeah, yeah. sums I think, it up i i think that's absolutely correct i think um don projected the wrong kind of image and i don't know why rogers slash Sportsnet slash whoever what you know was in charge of of keeping his contract going thought that that's what was attracting viewers to the Blue Jays broadcast uh and I'm glad we don't have to talk about it anymore because man to find out that a guy who we didn't think was particularly good at a lot of the things he tried to do was also intolerable to work with is just uh yeah, it's you know one thing on top of another. There, there, there is no reason that you can't find a guy better than Greg Zahn who's better to work with. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I guess they they thought that just to answer your your hypothetical or your rhetorical. I don't know why. I guess because Don Cherry's somehow popular. They thought, oh, Greg Zahn. Except the difference is the audiences are totally different. Hmm. And yeah. yet he tried so hard to be this guy, or I guess he really was this guy, because it sounds like he's a piece, he was a piece of garbage behind the scenes. But I don't know. It just never made sense, and now he's gone, and <laughs> good. <laughs> Pretty much. When uh, when does JP Arancibia start? No. Tell us <laughs> <laughs> so how you really feel, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, the last last note I'll put in this section is uh, just before we went to record, George Poulos was announced that he was going to rejoin Alex Anthopoulos' team in Atlanta and no longer be the Blue Jays' head trainer. And I, I must be honest, only for nostalgic reasons, I'm kind of going to miss George trotting out there to uh, <laughs> grab and twist people's hands and ankles when things appear to have gone horribly wrong. Um, but I really don't know what kind of job the guy did. I mean, he people seem to like him, but is is one head trainer as good as another? I'm gonna defer to Doctor Mike Sun, who 
you know, does stuff in his field and knows way more than us. And his, he said, George was extremely well-respected in his community and very, very smart. This is a big loss for the Jays. So I'm going to trust him on that. All right. So, George, we wish you all the best in Atlanta. There you are. You're all caught up for two weeks of uh, minor moves and minor controversies. And uh, so next, we're going to go talk to Dan Zimborski because we're going to focus on the future. He has surprisingly moved up, as we found out during the uh, during the interview here, the Zips projections just to accommodate our schedule. So uh, we'll be right back with him. And we are pleased to be joined once again, and possibly against our better judgment, by ESPN's Dan Zimborski. Dan, welcome back to Artificial Turf Wars. Better judgment? What? <laughs> that, that. I... I mean, I'm a little, it's a little much when people say we have a very special guest today, Dan Zaborski, <laughs> but against our better judgment and the advice of counsel, you we've brought know. in oh, Dan Zaborski. You're a loose cannon, Dan. <laughs> but it keeps, it keeps the expectations low. Exactly. Because if we have to cut it short because of some sort of legal violation, then it's all pre-explained. So we're here to talk about Zips. Yep, baseball. That's baseball. It. This is a baseball podcast, the Blue Jays podcast, and you this week completed the uh, Zips projections for 2018 for our championship questing Toronto Blue Jays. And um, overall, I guess the news was uh, maybe better than some of us who have been watching this team kind of uh, limp through the offseason were expecting. But ultimately, there really is only one guy projected to be a star on this team and that's Josh Donaldson. Well, I mean, Stroman did get a four-win four projection, which is all-star level. So you can say there are two-star projections. There's only one super-star projection, just yeah. two regular-star projections. Uh, it, it, it's funny. The Blue Jays, they went earlier than I intended this year because of you guys. Uh, because uh, I, I you feel were, you so were, special. You are special because... When, when you guys had messaged me a few weeks ago and you asked me when the Blue Jays were going, I said, oh, they're going next or going Monday or whatever. But I actually had looked at the reverse order from last year wrong. So the Blue Jays get to go early two years in a row. They were actually supposed to be like 27th this year. So, <laughs> oh. so, so through ask, so inviting me on against your better judgment, the Blue Jays moved up like 24 ranks in the, in the offseason priority list. So I feel so, like that might be the most influence we've ever had over anything on this program. <laughs> yeah, Blue and Jays it, fans everywhere should be happy with us. And since it's relatively good news, I mean, Zips does overall like the Blue Jays, even if it doesn't think they have a ton of stars. I mean, it gives them a projection that looks like it's in, you know, the, the mid-80s. And that's that's an improvement over last year. And obviously the winter isn't over, and there are serious concerns that the team still has to address. But it's not a bad approach pattern to be, you know, projected at 83 or 84 wins or something. Well, and specifically when you look at some of these projections, you know, there are clear areas of strength and weakness that are sort of identified. You know, the outfield seems like an area that's rife for upgrade, which I guess is kind of a plus when you consider the way that the market is looking right now with a bunch of outfielders that are not great, but would be better than the Blue Jays have. Yeah, uh, you look at the corner outfield, it's it's one of those nice off-seasons because not every team has an off-season where their needs match up with what's actually available. 
Uh, you look at like the Royals and the Orioles last winter, and they both really could have used significant pitching additions, but they just weren't up up. They just weren't available. Uh, so it's not like you can just go to the store and get the awesome picture and and pay, you know, 150 million for for them. Not that the Royals or Orioles would have, but it it's very helpful when you can actually buy what you want. Hmm. And going to some of these specific projections, we you know we noticed that only five players are projected to have six. Sorry, I forgot Steve Pierce, uh, an OPS plus of a ninety nine or better. It seems that a lot of the success that this is projecting from the Jays' offensive side is really based on defense. Yeah, it's a good defensive team. They have Pilar in center field, you know, uh, and and some of the, uh, I mean, some of it is is the reality simply because. Uh, I mean, the team was 15th in the league and runs scored last year. Uh, so I guess it's, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're going to have some projections that might be not what you want. I mean, you, you want to see Devin Travis with, with a higher projection. You want to see Justin Smoke. You didn't get a bad projection, but you'd like him to be higher again as well. You'd like to see Russell Martin be at like 105 or 110 rather than 99. I mean, there's, there's ways you would like the team to, you know, have better offense going into the season, but they, they will need to upgrade that corner outfield. I mean, it's just, that's, it's their current problem right now. I think offensively. Now to shift from the outfield to the infield, you're talking about uh, Travis. And then of course, Tulowitzki up the middle uh, as sort of the defensive cornerstones, but we've been looking at uh, their inability to stay on the field for more than, well, in Travis's case, more than about 80 games in any given season. How does Zips, look at a uh, i know a single injury won't won't mess up a zips sort of projection but how does a, a chronic kind of uh sort of injury affect zips and, and the way it's looking at production from guys who might not register that many plate appearances well there, there are there are kind of two aspects to injuries and in zips one is that on a very generic level zips looks at how many games they played their age their position and kind of regresses players to mostly healthy because that's that's how players kind of regress towards not they don't regress towards playing 162 games, but usually a guy who's under 140 will slowly regress towards playing 140. Uh, and also Zips looks very broadly at specific injuries. It knows if a pitcher has Tommy John surgery. It knows that a player missed, say, 60 games with a shoulder injury. And there's obviously only so much specificity you can be in that way. You can't tell the projections of the, like the exact dynamics of a player's injury, but the broad kind of strokes, a computer can kind of take that into consideration because uh, you have enough history there. I mean, you know, Zips knows that, say, hitters with wrist injuries take a little while to recover their power, uh, and that, because that's what history shows. Uh, now, you're not going to get the exact situation where it says, oh, this guy is, is he's resumed baseball activities, you know, that weird euphemism. Uh, like he's resumed baseball activities. It's just he's underhanding a ball to his kid. <laughs> yeah, baseball activities. So you're saying he's throwing? No, he's just you know baseball activities, activities of a baseballiary nature. Uh, so Zips doesn't know all those details, but it it does try to predict for these injured players a number of games that isn't preposterous. So speaking of that, you know, you're talking about how it looks at people who've had similar types of injuries. How does it deal with something like blisters for Aaron Sanchez? Because there have been so many different recovery times for that kind of injury. Uh, Zips only knows that he missed kind of time. It applies kind of a generic injury that isn't specifically described by like, you know, rotator cuff 60 days or Tommy John surgery 180 days. Uh, so it, 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 it 
disc- I don't know if discount's the right word, but it, it, it does realize that he was injured, and it has a very generic effect to it. Uh, a fairly small one because you don't really know the injury. Uh, but blisters, I don't think even a person can really predict what happens because you look at, you know, Josh Beckett had the same problem, and sometimes these blister problems go away. Sometimes they just nag a player forever. Uh, so it's one of those things that a computer doesn't really deal with that effectively, I think. Interesting. So, uh, but just continuing with Sanchez for one sec. So it projects him for 142 innings. Is that more because of he was a reliever in the past or just still taking into account his unknown injury? It, it's it's taking into account his injury. Uh, the, the relief stuff isn't really affecting it that much. Uh, what Zips does is when it projects a, a player as a starter or a reliever, it, it first converts his relief appearances to kind of a starter equivalency which will naturally feature more innings uh uh, i I don't have the exact breakdown of how it what his implied innings per start would be as a reliever uh but it, it it's it's mostly his just risky injury history of right now so that that injury history, I understand all of the zips numbers on the chart are factoring in injuries, but obviously they're they're not talking about every guy making the major leagues. There's a lot of minor leaguers on there in their equivalent time in the majors, and and the J, the Jays with a reasonably healthy season, like you said, better projection than maybe we thought, eighty three, eighty four wins. But on the flip side of that, uh, it doesn't look like there's that much wiggle room in terms of depth so if you're the blue jays management are you looking at at a projection system and saying well we could add a little bit here and a little bit there and get up to 90 wins or you would you play it more cautiously given their and we can get into this later given their payroll situation i i think where the blue jays are they need to be a little more aggressive at kind of getting elements that are less risky just for the team, just to patch things up because they're not at the early start of a rebuilding period. They're not where the Cubs are a few years ago where they can kind of, you know, take some gambles. I think that they should address depth in addition to the corner outfield. Uh, but I don't think it's, it's something they're in a situation where you just want to like expect like a minor leaguer to step it up. Uh, and they don't really have a great number of those to begin with that could really do that in 2018. But I think they do have to be aggressive because uh, I, I feel that the window is slightly closing on the Blue Jays, that they're starting. Because you look ahead, you have Josh Donaldson, a free agent. You have significant assets on an older team that are going to be moving off the team the next few years if they're not resigned. And I think they had to kind of grasp that opportunity, uh, payroll problems aside. Uh, I actually wrote a piece uh, just when did I write it? A couple days ago. I my, yep, my memory just came out a couple days ago. Yeah, on on, on <laughs> on teams that are kind of descending into what I called playoff hell. I mean, payroll, payroll hell, hell. Uh, which is kind of when they get kind of caught between two ways in which they're kind of at the end of the success cycle. They are expensive and they don't have a lot of internal options. Uh, and I had the Blue Jays. They were only the second circle, so it's not like a, a doom scenario. I got I got the doom scenarios with teams like the Royals and the Marlins. Uh, but the Blue Jays, they, they do need to be proactive. I, ha- I hate that word, but it, it, it seems to fit. You know, and just on that concept, though, if you were running the team and you had an, an idea of the Jays' budget, around $160, $165 million, somewhere in there, would you be going for bigger fish or just hole patching kind of stuff, given what your projections tell you about the team? I would certainly go for the bigger fish first. 
Uh, I think those are the kinds of players that can really change kind of the team's outlook. But you, you do have to take into consideration, you know, that you have to have some of these role players. Uh, of course, they added one in Aledvis Diaz, which is which was a kind of the kind of thing they need to do on a depth standpoint because Diaz can kind of you know back up second base and shortstop just from an injury standpoint, and that kind of thing is what they need to do. Uh, I. I do think that they ought to go higher than 160 million. I don't know if they could put a contender together for 160 million because they're at like 147 million right now, I believe. I'd have to open up baseball reference, but that was what it was at last check. Uh, I, I, I think I it's think 138. Oh, I was including with all the, uh, the estimated payroll and options and stuff and kind of they're filling out the roster with minimum. Oh, got it. Um, yeah, I have it open. I, Baseball reference has it at 146.5 uh, when you include that. Now, obviously, a little will come off when you replace a player making the minimum, but they don't have a lot of wiggle room. They, they could not fit, say, a U Darvish in and stay under $160 million without making another major trade elsewhere. And I, I think they should be a little more aggressive. I think they either want to spend less or more. I think 160 mm. is kind of an awkward number for them right now. So just to, to change directions a little bit, um, you in your uh, projections for the bullpen now have actually a, quite an efficient looking bullpen for the top five guys, all generating at least one win apiece. Uh, but last year at this time, we would have looked at the Blue Jays bullpen and said, my gosh, that is the big hole that they they can fill because it's a bullpen, but but we're really not uh, really not hoping for anything from anybody but maybe Roberto Orsuna and possibly I think it was Joe Biagini at the time, and we were hoping some other guys would come back. Now this year we're looking, going, wow, the bullpen looks like the the most solid <laughs> section of this roster. Is is that foolish because of the the volatility of a bullpen? Well, bullpens are always very risky. Uh, but the good thing, if you look at the bullpen, is there weren't a lot of guys that were just outperforming their peripherals by a tremendous amount. Sometimes when you see a bullpen turn around, there's always a guy that has an ERA of three and a FIP of like 4.80 or something. Uh, really, all the all the players in the bullpen were strikeout pitchers. I think that Danny Barnes was the only significant one who didn't strike out more than he uh, more than a batter an inning. Uh, so they, they they were a really good team, uh, a, a really good bullpen. And I think that it's likely that they're still going to be going forward. Uh, Zips was not super aggressive at regressing these guys back to kind of a mean, so to speak. Uh, I think Zips was generally more optimistic than Steamer was, uh, especially on guys like Danny Barnes. Uh, but Zips isn't known for being, you know, exuberant about things. So I, I'm not too worried that it's not... Uh, depressing or anything <laughs> uh, zips is the opposite of its inventor not exuberant at all <laughs> oh yeah I, i'm super everyone likes my warmth especially orioles fans yeah oh i'm from baltimore it's depressing right now oh <laughs> uh, but i'm just i'm sorry we jumped around a little bit but that's interesting this concept of of you know, you're saying that the 160 doesn't make sense. That's very similar to what we were saying on our podcast last time. It's like it doesn't really make sense for the Jays to go halfway with this roster. No, I, I, I tend to 
shy away from half measures because half measures only really work if you're in a dominating position to begin with. And the Blue Jays are not in a dominating position to begin with. They they won 76 games in 2017. That's a team that is rapidly reaching the point, not quite there, where they really have to pick a direction. Uh, treading water tends to be a really poor long-term strategy in baseball. And on those wise words, Mr. Zimborski, I think we have covered all of the wisdom that we were looking to cover today. So uh, where can the folks find you on Twitter is what I usually uh, ask. Ah, well, you can, you can find me at DZimborski on Twitter. That's D-S-Z-Y-M-B-O-R-S-K-I. You can find me at ESPN.com. And I have weekly projections and chats at Fangraphs. Well, the, the chats are weekly. The projections are ongoing. <laughs> and uh, if you have a different favorite team and a podcast, maybe you can bother Dan and get him to do yours early. <laughs> yeah, well, no, no, don't don't get everybody on that train. They're not, they're not gonna because that's that's why I always keep the the order kind of secretive because otherwise people I will get a lot of pleading uh, as as sad as that sounds. I'll get some I'll get pleading to move a team up so that someone doesn't have to wait till the end of January. Uh, so actually what I do every year now is I uh, just generate 30 random numbers, go that for the order in like the even year, and then I do it backwards the odds year so that no one lucky team has to wait till the end of January every year. And we have <laughs> ruined your system, but thank yeah, you for letting us do it. that. <laughs> yeah, I was tricked. I was tricked by myself <laughs> and my poor understanding of numbers apparently. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming by, Dan. We'll talk to you again soon. It's always fun, guys. Uh, I, I do not regret bringing Dan on, even though I said we might. I think that was a good, good time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he took that with good nature, as he always does. But, you know, I, I like he agrees with us about the Blue Jays' direction. It's always nice when other people agree with us because it makes us sound smarter than we are. Oh, my goodness. Uh, we have questions of yours to answer, though. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now, how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Wing it and drive! have indeed <laughs> i knew something wouldn't go right and there it was um swing the drives later we're gonna go with all of your questions because uh we asked and you delivered we, we muchly appreciate question number one do to do uh Ademis diaz earned 2.5 million each of the last two years what's his contract status for 2018 uh Josh, tell us about his slightly unusual contract status, because he is under control, even though he's not making league minimum, I see. Yeah, this is from Jonathan Morton at Morton Jonathan. So Diaz was signed out of Cuba as an amateur free agent for four years, $8 million starting in 2014. And so he actually made $2 million each of the last two years. There's a signing bonus that's amortized over all that, but $2 million each the last two years. And so for the Jays, they can renew his salary. So he'll basically make about 2 million bucks this year. And then again next year, and then he'll enter arbitration starting in 2020. So the Jays control him through 2022. I wanted to talk about this just a little longer briefly, because this is why a big part of why this is such a good move as opposed to going and get someone like 
like Eduardo Nunez because Nunez would cost about eight million bucks and then there'd be less money to fill the rest of the roster. So getting this guy for cheaper is much better. Cool. All right, moving on. What do we got next? Okay. This one comes from 11cash77 at 11cash77. Do Jays fans really care that much about Pulis? Are you a Jays fan, Nick? (laughs) (laughs) I am, sadly. But, um... Yeah, I think like like we talked about before, it's it's hard to know for sure what uh, what he meant to the team. But it sounds like the people who who do know more about this kind of stuff to, than you and I uh, seem to think he he is going to be Jays fans, his, Nick. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I as a Jays fan though, I do care because when when you hear people that that are closer to the situation talk about it, like you you want the team to be good and you you want the team to be healthy. So yeah, I I. I'm disappointed to hear we're we're losing uh, a good member of the staff. I think that's fair. I think I think we're a little bit disappointed. Uh, again, just because he was such a familiar face, he it's always good when people outlast multiple managers. They must be doing you would think <laughs> something right. Uh, <clears throat> next question is from Alex Hume at a Hume ninety two. Is it weird that I would love to attend a game without music? I found the twenty seventeen game ops production to be simply overwhelming. Josh. Want to take a Nick? Oh, yeah. I, I think uh, Alex's comment about the 2017 game ops is is pretty fair. And I think if if you know we're talking to people who have been to Blue Jays games in the last year, uh, there's a lot going on, and it's it's not. I don't think for me personally, uh, surprise, surprise, I'm not going to say a game without any music would be ideal. But I think the Jays could dial back a lot of the kind of uh, music and, and sound effects and, and kind of like the various in-game operation stuff they're doing. And, and I think if that happened, that like people like Alex wouldn't find the music they do play as intrusive because there's a lot of times when, when music can be like a really kind of fun, like way to kind of unite a fan base. You know, obviously there's examples of like New York, New York in at Yankee Stadium and Sweet Caroline at Fenway. So anyway, I, I think there's a way to incorporate music without having it just blasting all day, every day at, at the park. Was it two or three years ago they had the Sunday organist? Is that, am I remembering that correctly? Uh, it sounds familiar. I don't remember specifically. Because I but went to one, quickly... one of those games. It, oh, I just okay. wanted to elaborate. Um, I went to one of those games and to have it the decibel level down and the feeling of of you're trying to sort of recognize a tune as opposed to get the same Adams family snap snap clomp clomp every time. Um, I thought it was it was more interesting and it was more more engaging that way to have something a little different. Yeah, but just to the original question, a game without any sounds would feel very weird. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Even minor league games have something going on. Uh, next one is all the way up from oh Connor Moore at Connor Moore LD. What is the absolute worst Jays game you ever attended? We'll start with Josh this time. Uh, twenty eleven Sunday, June twelfth. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I remember this because I had two friends in from town and they you know they weren't really big baseball fans, so it's like okay, come to we'll go to a Jays game. It'll be fun. They lost 14 to 11 to the Boston Red Sox. Uh-huh. 
And Kyle Drabeck was pitching, so you know it was just a slog and slow game, and it was just the worst. All right, that's it. It was just the, like, I was introducing people to Toronto Blue Jays baseball, and that happened. And your remembrance of the worst game you ever attended, Nick? Uh, this is going to sound made up, but uh, it would have been somewhere around like 1995. Um, I. I went with my dad and my brother and, uh, you know, we grew up in London, Ontario. My dad's been to Toronto a million times. I don't know what he was thinking, but he decided like, he just wanted to drive towards the CN tower. Like he, he would not take direction as to like what highway to take or, or anything <laughs> like that. So we ended up in, you know, Markham or somewhere North of the city. And we missed like the first five innings of the game against the Tigers. That's pretty bad. <laughs> The worst game wasn't even a game you you barely made it to the game. Do you remember? Yeah. Did they win? Uh, I don't think they won either. No. <laughs> All right. So I went to a game with my family. This was I I looked it up also in 2011. Strangely enough, um, against the Pittsburgh Pirates, it was June, I believe June 30th or June 28th. Where did it go? June was June 30th. bad. June 30th, 2011. <laughs> Brett Cecil started. The Blue Jays were down quickly. Uh, and in the fifth inning, my wife very sweetly asked me to go get them a snack. So I went up uh, to the line to get French fries. I heard a cheer and then a big cheer. And then I went out and it, it was uh, J.P. Aaron Sibia had hit a home run for the Blue Jays' first run of the game. Um, I went and got back in line. Two batters later, Yunel Escobar, to this exact same sounding cheer, <laughs> hit a home run for the Blue Jays' second <laughs> run of the game. I got the French fries. I brought them back to my wife and my daughter, and the Blue Jays did not score for the rest of the game. So <laughs> the they had six hits entirely, and I missed all of the offense while getting... Really, they were not good French fries. I must confess, that wasn't even satisfying. <laughs> Uh, yeah, pretty bad. I'm sure there are worse ones out there. If you, uh, if you have a worse game you ever attended, go ahead and, uh, tweet the turf pod. We'll, we'll see what we can come up with maybe for next week. Uh, Akimido, A-K-M-E-D-O, uh, asks, is there any news on the stadium renovations or anything related? I will answer that one myself. Nothing specific has come out yet, although that, other than grass is a pipe dream, I guess, is your, your, uh sort of reflection on that but but no nothing about what they might be changing you want the last one josh okay not gonna do brian's question oh whoops skipped over it okay what do we think the main reason otani didn't choose the jays major league roster minor league spring training facilities economics of canadian economy fear of poutine and beaver tails i <laughs> beaver tails i don't even know um it was the stadium ops he didn't like the music in the dome <laughs> Nice callback. <laughs> uh, he was afraid Brett Cecil would be pitching again. No, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure there was any reason for him to choose the Blue Jays when you get right down to it. And but also, it just every team he picked plays spring training in Arizona. Hmm. So there's a thought right there. Okay, hit me with the last question then. All right, from Luke at Split Letters. I miss baseball. What game should I go back and watch on MLB.tv? Mm. I think probably the wild card game versus the Orioles is always a good fun one. 
Why not? I don't actually think that one's on MLB.tv. <laughs> okay, then. But uh, I might be wrong. If it is, that's a good one. Well, if you can find it, I guess uh, anything from early August of 2015 should brighten your brighten your day. Sure. <laughs> Sounds good. Nicholas? All right. So I figured you guys would be giving Jays-related answers. So the one I wanted to give was not Jays. And I'm going to say Game 6 of the 2003 World Series. Um that was the the Marlins Yankees World Series where also basically... probably not on MLB.tv. <laughs> you can find it on YouTube though. Uh, yeah. It's basically it's 23-year-old Josh Beckett mowing down this $200 million Yankee team and it's amazing. It works. You got one, Josh? Nah, those are good. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there we go. All right. We are going to, uh, now that we finished your questions, leave you and slide on over to a swing and a drive with one of our patrons, Deco Cuff. We will be right back with him after this. And here we are, joined by one of our patrons... Uh, Deco Cuff. Deco, welcome to Artificial Turf Wars. Thanks very much. Hello to you both. Good to be here. And of course, Josh. Josh is here to play along with us. How's it going, Josh? Good. Yeah, we, uh, we really appreciate uh, you coming on and, you know, the patronage. So thank you very much. I'm happy to be able to help out. Um, if, if you are listening and you uh, want to play a game with us, uh, you can certainly take a cruise on over to www.patreon.com slash turfpod and check out what it takes uh, in terms of a donation to get yourself uh, some game time with us here on the show if you're interested in that. Of course, we won't make you come on uh, if you donate. <laughs> but Dika wanted to... But let's and- be honest. This is all just about trying to embarrass me because so far I think I'm over three in dealing with our our patrons. So, <laughs> Is that true? I was thinking it was uh, no shame in coming in second to the Josh. I appreciate that. Thank you. But uh, no, let's see. Greg likes to sort of cheat the game so that I lose sometimes. So, <laughs> well, there's no shame in not knowing what Buck's talking about. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's play the intro so that uh, we're officially underway here. Wing it a drive. It's got to be a home run, right? Wing it a drive. That's a catch. Wing it a drive. It's only a double. And he's going to make the catch. That ball didn't carry. Let's face it, we didn't have a clue. Ah, yes. Now I feel like we're we're really doing stuff. So what I like to do to start the game off is I like to do an audio test. Uh, today's audio test, I'd like you to imagine that I got, uh, I got Buck Martinez to cooperate by getting him really drunk and then just ask him to talk for a little bit uh, so we could make sure that Dico could hear us properly because you don't want to not have a good impression of, of, of the each clue as we go. So here is our audio test buck. When you have exceptional defenders, you're handicapping yourself when you shift so dramatically. Overall, you know, the shifts have really made a difference. It's difficult to get hit through the infield now. Okay. <laughs> Most of the hard hit balls are hit into the shift. 
right. <laughs> Could you it's hear quite Bob an Chico? <laughs> Yeah, I got all of that, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well put. Uh, all right. So uh, we will uh, we will let our new player guess first. Uh, this is either going to be a fly out, an extra base hit, or a home run. For those of you not familiar with the game, we're going to play one half of the clip where it is uh, at that moment where Buck is trying to figure out what it is and uh, have our players guess how it's going to turn out. So here we go. The batter is Devin Travis. Ezekiel Carrera was a late addition to the lineup. He was not scheduled to start. This ball is hit high and deep to right. Shebler back at the track. All right. So, Dico, Shebler's back. That's a home run. That's that a is run. a home run. Josh, what's Bucks that? All yeah, I think it's gone. Both of you have home run. And he makes the catch. Well, he did a nice job staying with it, and he probably had Listen. the advantage of Russell Martin's home run to allow him to get back a little quicker. So if the if the player had the advantage of Russell Martin's home run earlier, why did Buck not have the advantage of Russell Martin's home run to tell him whether that ball was going to leave or not? We may Yeah, this is know. that game when he's like, uh, deep drag, oh, it's gone! It's that one, right? <laughs> yep, May 29th, the greatest day in swing and a drive history. You guys have just played so much swing and a drive. I thought you'd have run out of clips where he screws it up, and I just... <laughs> oh, we still got way more to go. Uh, All so right. That's 0-0. Uh, zero, zero. Good start, guys. Both of you whiffed on that one. <laughs> uh, we're going to play a Josh Donaldson clip. So here goes Josh Donaldson. Numbed up that leg. We had to get up, Josh. So what do you think? I think it's gone. Josh is saying home run. Dicko? I'll go for extra base. Extra base hit. All right. There we go. A double. So one point to our patron. Very nice. Very nice. That's... uh. It's not like you, Josh, to whiff on the first two. Usually you come up with something. Eh, well, I'm kind of proud of the fact that I can't get these right, but... <laughs> uh, get up. He throws out the get up, and it doesn't actually go out of the park. A get up does not a home run make. And, and I it's think true. on balance, get up usually does mean a home run. It, it's usually, you know, a, a quite a confident moment for him, but as it were... Well, I remember be... he yelled it when Donaldson hit that ball into the fifth deck. Get up! It's like, what, you want to hit up the roof? What are you asking for, bud? <laughs> yeah, there's, there should be some statutory limit on up. Um, you, you, uh, I, I don't know, did you see the Jays promotional uh, schedule, Dico? Uh, no, I have not. So there is a Buck Martinez get up alarm clock. Really? How does that work? He's just going to yell, get up, get up, get up. Wake up. <laughs> it may be the greatest uh, item I, they ever hand out. I guess so, but then I wouldn't be really sure if it was time to get up. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to go back in time to when Edwin Encarnacion was a Blue Jay uh, from uh, past years. Because sometimes, you're right, I don't have a million clips here where he's, uh, he's uh, questionable on the call. So here we go. Edwin Encarnacion. Can't do that. Uh-oh. <laughs> High and deep to left. All right. Uh, 
right, uh, that is... Who's going first here? That's Deco. Deco. Yeah, Deco. Sorry. Uh, I'm, I'm bound. I don't know. Fly out. Fly out. Josh? I don't know. I'm bound. Home run. Home run and... He's done it again. Number 42 for Impacion. I feel like for a 40-second right. home run, that lacked a little something. <laughs> I'm on the board. You're on the board. 1-1. One, one. We're tied. Uh, only two more clips to go. Luckily, I have a really weird tiebreaker just in case this uh, this kind of shakes just out. Just for the record, way. there has been one of each, and I thought it was a home run every single time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. We're going to go back I to think it's like It's like uh, Schrodinger's cat. Uh, it's a, both alive and dead. It's a home run and <laughs> yeah. out, and, if no one measures it, exactly, until Buck figures it out. <laughs> uh, Donaldson, which I've misspelled on the name of my own clip, but this is Josh Donaldson. Again, we'll see what he does this time. Donaldson hits it high and deep to center. Kiermaier at the wall. That makes me wonder. Mm, I think Kiermaier pulled it down. All right, Kumar is very good. True. Deco? I think it's extra base. Uh, the fans do not sound home run excited. So that's true. Of course, we don't know where they're playing. Because if it's the Trop, there, oh. there ain't nobody there. <laughs> they usually right. cheer on what? balls to the track on the road. <laughs> All right. It occurs we... to me, though, that maybe I should be playing the crowd and not the buck. Mm -hmm. Maybe. So we have a we have a fly out and we have an extra base hit. Jumps and this one is gone. Josh <laughs> Donaldson with his first home run of the season. Good, good stuff, guys. You're doing great. I just... <laughs> We're one one through four. <laughs> uh, even if I win, I'll feel like I've lost. No, Everybody's I think we all win when we play this game. Everybody's a winner. <laughs> all right. So this is this is the late great. And I only say late in the sense of being a Blue Jay. Jose Bautista. Listen carefully, because the game is literally riding on this one. Swing and a drive. Deep to left field. Get up, ball. Get We're back to getting up. Uh, who's up first? You are. All right. Uh, that's an out. Josh. Well, I was going to say an out as well, and also I kind of want to hear this fancy tiebreaker you've got, so we're going to remove the drama. All right. It, it doesn't really matter. You two don't. Up and off the wall. <laughs> Bautista's headed for second. Adam Duvall. Oh, man. You two are a heck of a combo. That is the worst combined performance we've ever had on this game. Either that or I, I've become much better at picking the weight, how to split the clips. <laughs> I'd be better off flipping a coin. Apparently. Okay. Wait, that's not what you're doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing the swing and the drive drinking game. Uh. Okay, so for, for fans of the podcast, um, and I know that you're not always paying attention, Josh, so I'm, I'm going to give the tiebreaker opportunity first to Deco here. Um, <clears throat> I have a clip, and it's Buck, and he is talking about a, an item, a food item. Um, and I have unnecessarily censored out the name of the food item. So, if you can tell me what kind of food Buck is talking about, uh, we're going to uh, we're going to give you a, a point. Uh, if Josh can pick it up 
if you don't get it right, um, then then we'll give the win to Josh. If neither of you gets it, I'm still going to say tie goes to our guest. Make sense? Yeah. Okay. Here's Buck. Agree, Pat. The yeah. There. Yep, there's. A you bet. <laughs> you knew what was Ooh, coming. Yeah. Huh? There you go. Nice fresh. Going that. Flies <laughs> and. It's all good here in Boston. All right. You basically got one clue out of that, other than he's very excited at whatever is is cooking there. What is the item? That is some kind of hot dog with chili and and nachos on the hot dog. It is not a hot dog. This was uh, this was actually highlighted uh, by Nick on one of our final podcasts of the season as sort of encapsulating the weirdness of 2017. Do you remember, Josh? Okay, first off, before I say what I think I remember it as being... It really sounds like Buck is just dropping f bombs constantly. The way you played that clip. But he's not. <laughs> no, he's not. Um, so I believe it was lobster rolls. It is lobster rolls. He was that excited. Well done. He was that excited about the prospect of a lobster roll. So I'm sorry to say that although we've all had a lot of fun. Um, Josh, you have defeated a patron. Uh, Deco, I cannot send you home with our imaginary trophy. <laughs> uh, as you said, we're all winners. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on board. Uh, you two were horrible, uh, and it was great. <laughs> I, I quite enjoyed myself. I, I'll, I'll confess, we're pretty much out of swing and a drive clip. So next season, I, I need you all to chip in whenever you catch Buck saying something that sounds a little off. Uh, alert me on Twitter. And I would like to thank you once again, Deco4, contributing to the podcast, uh, both monetarily and today, where we, uh, we, we really do appreciate your sportsmanship. Uh, great time, guys. Thanks very much. All right. You have a good one, sir. And that about wraps it up for another show. Josh, congratulations on the victory. Woo! <laughs> and after all, thanks to Nick, because it was his lobster rolls. I remembered the story, so... <laughs> it's... Happy I could help. Yeah, we're all friends here, really. Uh, so, that brings us to the end of another Artificial Turf Wars, which is to say that uh, we would like, first of all, to remind our patrons that when we are doing our extra pellets, and if you want to know what extra pellets is, slide on all over to www.patreon.com slash turfpod, and there is an extra pellets episode up, the very first one uh, for our patrons only. Uh, and for our patrons, if you have any suggestions for extra pellets, a topic you'd like us to cover, please hit us up on Twitter or at artificialturfwars at baseballprospectus.com. I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead 2010. You have been Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem and Nick Dyka at Nick Dyka. Thanks once again to Dan Zimborski and Deco Cuff for joining us. And because the winter meetings are next week, we might see you sooner rather than later. But if no major news comes down, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Bye.